Welcome back to our study of 1 John. We're now in chapter 5, and we're going to jump down to verse 13. Again, I know it's a huge jump, but this verse, I think, is one that is often neglected or even just skipped over, and I think it really grasps the whole reminder of John's letter here, or maybe it really drives it home. John simply writes in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, there is a huge powerful verse here and it's important to understand the vocabulary so he says i write these things to you who is the you he references well he says you who believe in the name of the son of god but you need to also go back and remember who this letter is originally for and he wrote it to the church both the church that he physically wrote it to or directly wrote it to but also the church as a whole and so he says i write these things to you the church who believe in the name of the Son of God. We believe in Jesus, of course. He says that you, the church, may know that you, the church, have eternal life. What is he stating here? A lot of times people, I think, get confused in regards to assurance of salvation because, well, there's a bunch of debate in regards to can you lose it and, and so on and so forth. But I think it comes down to two points I will make. Number one, Mark 16, 16 says, believe and be baptized and you will be saved. It doesn't say you might or God will think about it. He says you will be saved, right? Powerful word there of assurance. And then you have uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, where you receive the Holy Spirit through repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus. And then you have in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, where it simply states that the Holy Spirit is God's seal on us, promise of our promise of inheritance when the Lord returns. And so that being said, here John is also reminding us of our assurance, saying, hey, originally I wrote this letter to you to be reminded of the goodness of God, to remind you that you have eternal life if you simply believe in the Lord, and if you believe in the Lord, you're going to live a life that naturally represents it based on your works. He's not stating that, oh, in order to be saved, you need to earn God's favor. No, he's reminding us again that here's the gospel. You've been saved. You've been forgiven, reconciled, redeemed in the name of Jesus Christ if you believe and have been baptized. And then he states, because of that, now go live, sin no more, love your neighbor, love God because God is love. Don't turn away to false doctrines or antichrists or other sinful misconstrued versions of the word of God and this verse really drives it home to us what the main idea of this letter is and if you go down now to the very last verse of first John chapter 5 the very last verse of the book John states little children keep yourself from idols now if you've been reading the letter in context or even this chapter that verse just is random right it's thrown in there well, actually, that's wrong. You see, what John is stating is that all of these things around us can be idols. False doctrines, false teachings, the pleasures of the flesh, the things of the world, hatred, all of these other things. Maybe your idol is sports. You choose it over God or your job or whatever the case being. John is reminding us that if you believe in the name of Jesus, you may know that you have eternal life. Represent that belief in eternal life by your works and your behaviors and love for others and keep yourself away from things that could easily take place in your life over God. Anything that has more weight in your life than your relationship with God is an idol. And John says, if you want to stay true to the gospel, stay on the path, truly have faith, represent your faith in works, and be confident in your assurance of salvation, as we talked about in verse 13, John is stating, 
Keep yourself from idols. If you ever put anything or anyone in your life over God, then you're going to run into trouble and you're not going to do well. This could be good things or it could be sinful things. A great example of sin, you know, if your addiction to drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever is more important to you than uh, God, then that would be a sinful example. Again, sex is holy and righteous in marriage, and so it's not sin in that context. Which brings me to another point. An idol that could be evil or an idol that could take over your position God's position in your life that isn't inherently sinful is even your spouse. You know, do you worship them and want to please them over God? That's a good, righteous thing that you have just made an idol and have turned it into a not righteous thing. Again, love your spouse, enjoy righteous intimacy, but are those things becoming idols in your life? Do they have more weight on your heart and in your life than God? Abstain from idols, be assured of your salvation in this letter, and live a life that honors it.